inheriting dad if you want to blah 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 looking good all right how have you been dad good good that's good busy with this holiday shite yeah i feel like i have not stopped moving since like the middle of september i am exhausted it's it's getting stupid um okay so this week we watched i think this was my first actual hitchcock movie north by northwest nice what did you think of north by northwest loved it (laughs) a good movie good plot good suspense uh I was gonna say the acting good. I don't. I don't know. I mean, the acting. <laughs> I'm, you know. Um, well, it is hard. The acting ju- was pretty basic, but it's, it's it's a little unfair, I think, to judge acting from you know, like I mean, when we watched the original Godzilla, which came out five years before this, like they were playing <laughs> to the cheap seats in the back of the oh, house. Oh yeah. And like this was 1959. This was like. God Almighty! This was when did uh, James Dean happen? Like this was like. Yeah still at the pretty forefront of the film acting revolution i'd say yeah. but uh there was that... i mean it was good it was oh yeah but was the movie the, the suspense love suspense movies alfred hitchcock it, uh, is a master oh, man, at that yeah. and it was a really quirky story too yeah, okay, so, like, I, I had only known, like, two things about North by Northwest going into this movie. Uh, I knew about the plane sequence, the crop duster right. bit. I knew about that. And for some reason, I knew that in one of the confrontations at the base of, in in the restaurant at the base of uh, Mount Rushmore, when... Uh, uh, what's her face? Eva Marie Saint pulls the gun. You see in the background a little kid covering his ears because he knew the gunshot was coming and he didn't want to like get startled by the noise. Okay, like those are the two things I knew. Weird about okay. this movie: the 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 iconic plane sequence and that weird little blooper, or whatever caught on film. Yeah, like, that was. It. Yeah. I had no idea it was this crazy, sprawling spy drama, misunderstanding, man who knew too yeah, little the, sort of thing. Yeah, the guy, guy just by chance, Cary Grant, <clears throat> somebody's calling for, oh, what was the guy they were looking for? George Kaplan. Kaplan. The spy. Yeah, the, the, the bell boy is calling for George Kaplan, George Kaplan, and then Cary Grant calls him over yeah. to do a, uh, a telegram yeah, yeah about, about his mother yeah he's got his tell got to tell his mother he's going to be late for something or other so instead of calling instead of whatever he's sending her a telegram right. you know which is weird to be like you know like we do texts and he was doing tell- <clears throat> and it just happens that the bad guys saw him call over the bellboy at the same yeah. time the bellboy is calling for george kaplan and so they assume he's George Kaplan. Yep. Which, yep. of course, he was not. And then... Well, it then turns out that nobody was Kaplan. Right. There was no George Kaplan, but he could not convince the bad guys uh, that he wasn't George Kaplan, well, okay, no matter so, what he did. Yeah. So he doesn't find out that Kaplan doesn't exist until the CIA actually gets directly involved, like right. with 45 minutes left to go in the movie. Yes. So well over an hour into the picture. And like... At, up until that point, he's essentially trying to 
to prove the absence of something, which is kind of impossible. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not George Kaplan. I'm not George Kaplan. And he did yeah. everything he could, but they just would not believe him they, no matter what he did. So, like, <clears throat> after the first meeting with the bad guys, they, like, try to send him to his doom by getting him drunk and putting yes. him behind the wheel of a car. <clears throat> and the amount of brandy they pour for this guy, it's like a its like a tumbler full of brandy that they just dump into him. Bourbon. So, yeah, and uh, the acting that Cary Grant does behind the wheel of the car, trying to, like, look like a guy who's trying desperately to sober yeah. up, Trying to just fabulous. Trying to drive while he's incredibly drunk. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering, yeah. wondering how... I mean, well, I guess they held him down, and uh, I guess if they dump liquid in your mouth, you either well, I don't know, either spit it out or swollow it. So yeah, he uh, so some so some of that brandy must have gone in there. Bourbon. So yeah, sorry, what did I say? Bourbon, brandy, whatever. You say, okay, bourbon. <clears throat> I am so bad with alcohol. So yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> that, no, not a problem. Let, yeah, I mean, let, let's get the facts. Correct when we when we when we can <clears throat> when it's simple. Yeah, let's avoid those tweets. Yeah. Um, so, oh uh, my God. Yeah, and, and so he gets away in the car, and finally the cops get him. Right. And bust him for drunk driving. Yep. Uh, and they and don't. He pays, he pays a two dollar fine. Yes. He he calls up his lawyer and his mother to try and get him to be proven innocent, and they end up going back to the house of. The, the, it wasn't even the bad guy's house. It was just an empty house from like a UN guy that right. they were using as a, as a staging area. Right. And he like pulls open the, the cabinets where they were keeping the liquor and it's filled with books. Yes. And just like the, the mom even says like, Roger, just pay the two dollars. I'm like, he was drunk driving and got rear-ended by the cop car that was pursuing him and caused another accident where the cop car got rear-ended at the same time. And the fine is two dollars? Wow. Like you even said during the movie, like if he if he wasn't a white dude, he would yeah. already be dead. Yeah, they, yeah, they would have shot his butt, <sighs> thrown him in the woods. Just oh my god. Um but like especially the cars, like this was nineteen fifty-nine. And the cars. The cars oh, were so cool. With the rocket fins. Yes. And crazy headlights. Yeah, the 59 fins, the Chevys, the Fords oh, had, the, had the fins. The beautiful. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> what's neat is you look watch a movie today mm-hmm. that's using those old cars that are restored. Oh, yeah. These, in this movie, these, these cars were new. Oh, yeah. At well, the time. I always <laughs> marvel, like, when I'm watching a, a movie made... These days, like within the past 20, 30 years, whatever, um, and they have a scene set in the 40s, 50s, whatever, and they have to have all of these cars. I'm always curious, what was the rental budget for yeah, these cars? For the cars. as you even said, like there's people that buy and restore these cars purely to rent them out to movie studios. There's people that own like replicas of the Oval Office, Air Force One, stuff like that, purely to rent them out to f- film studios. And but then you see these movies, and you've got whole parking lots filled with these beautiful cars yes. that were brand new at the yes. time. Yeah, so they didn't they have were, to rent them; they yeah, were just, they, they were just parking lots. They were just there. Yeah. Right, right. I'm beautiful. like, what would it cost today to have a parking wow. lot filled with these 1959 Cadillacs? Just absolutely absurd. Yes. Um, 
Did you have anything that really stuck out to you in the movie uh, in particular? It <clears throat> it was so frustrating that he couldn't get his point across. <laughs> and then the girl... Um, uh, played by Eva Marie Saint. Yes. Eve Kendall. Uh, you know, they they fall in love. and Of course. Oh, there was this big innuendo. Oh you know, God. it's like they spend the night on the train right. in the sleeping car, <clears throat> but n- there's never any mention of sleeping in this. Oh, she does mention uh, she's going to sleep in the bed, and he, go- he goes, oh, it's a small bed. Yeah. Uh, um, where am I sleeping? Oh, and then she says he's sleeping on the floor. Right. Yeah. So you so you go okay. Well, uh, I guess they're not going to whatever. Like, wasn't it was the movie have a physical encounter? It was the movie Psycho, and that was the first movie ever to like show a toilet in a movie. <laughs> so it's like this is still 1959. When yeah. was the Hayes Code dropped? You're not allowed to reference sex or toilets or anything but like it, that haze it was implied that, that yes they slept together but did they really and you can't but then you figure okay they probably did and then you then you think okay well um you know how are these men looking at this woman that's sleeping with different men oh yeah and then i'm thinking well how about you know looking at the men that are sleeping with different women yeah, you know exactly. like you They're, know the, the double standard like after the, after um uh, uh, before Cary Grant has been picked up by the CIA um, and actually understands the fullness of the situation, finally, he like they go. He meets the bad guys and uh, even Marie Saint at a art auction. And yes, like, yes. what's his face? James Mason. James yes, Mason yes. as Philip Van Damme has his like hand very tightly gripped on the back of uh, Eva Marie Saint's neck. And as soon as uh, Cary Grant, Roger Thornhill, uh, uh, implies, because you're not allowed to say it, implies that yes. he and Eve slept <clears throat> together. Yes. Like, you see James Mason very, like, deliberately remove his hands from the filth. Yes, the soiled woman. The soiled woman. It's like, yes. Jesus. Uh, okay, here it is. We've talked about this before, but the Hayes Code was a self-imposed industry set of guidelines for all motion pictures pictures that were released between 1934 and 1968. The code prohibited profanity, suggestive nudity, graphic or realistic violence, sexual persuasions, and rape. And, like, that's why this, this movie literally ends with them getting married and climbing into a train sleeping car together, and then you see a shot, very deliberate, of a train going into, into a, tunnel. a tunnel. Come <clears throat> on, Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. So, yes. like, and he, and he got away with it. And I've said before, like, um, that's why, like, uh, uh, sixty-eight uh, and the early seventies. Um, that's why the the rise of exploitation films, uh, yeah. black exploitation, being yeah. the most famous yeah. of that genre. But like they were taking advantage and exploiting the lack of Hayes code. Yes. And then things kind of mellowed out a little after that. Uh, you know, go, go, is this based on a book or something? Oh, or let me double check. Because I mean, they start, oh, <clears throat> I know it. They start in New York. The, it originally takes place, it starts up in New York, but they're showing the coastline, the ocean coastline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we think that the ocean coastline they're showing is actually California. And it's confusing um, because oh, it's just, I don't know of any coastline that looks like that 
on the East Coast, you know, with the the, mount, the mountainous uh, uh, um, tumbling down into the um, mountainous areas, tumbling down into the uh, shore. Yeah. But then you find out it is New York. It is I New mean, York, it, yeah. And um, I'm just wondering if that was a, a blooper. Uh, you know, they didn't have the... Um, I've got a list of filming locations up on Wikipedia, and it seems to be mostly in chronological order of, like, you know, the the order of events of the plot itself. So it starts at 430 Park Avenue in New York City and ends at um, the the house, which is a film set, Philip Van Damme's house, and then Mount Rushmore, obviously, Chicago Midway Airport. Prairie Stop, which is where the crop duster seemed. I'm not seeing anything about like where the coastline and that driving sequence was filmed. Okay. Um, so it does look like they did a sneaky and filmed a little in California. Yeah, which for would, those sequences. Which would certainly yeah. make sense. And, yeah. and, you know, you're not supposed to notice it, but, you know, being the, um, the sharp as attack uh, film critics well, that we are. We're also like East Coasters and right. we like, you know, are within driving distance, I'd say, of New York and yes. all that. So we're, we are relatively familiar with that landscape. Lord knows I've seen plenty of movies that were filmed in California where I'm like, yes, this is an alien landscape. I've never seen anything <laughs> like this before. Um, I mean, how many, there's, there's a, 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 a a range of uh, mountains and hills out in uh, the deserts of California that are now known as Kirk's Rock, which is where they filmed a famous fight sequence between Captain Kirk in Star Trek and an alien. And nowadays, so many things are filmed there that that rock structure of the, the jutting sharp rocks coming out of the landscape, they're just so instantly recognizable. It's like, oh, I know exactly yeah, where this okay. was filmed. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, um, like, it's like the um, the Western films we're all uh, Italy. Uh, yeah. Well, well, that's the spaghetti yeah. spaghetti westerns. Spaghetti westerns. No yeah. offense to our Italian <laughs> friends, um, but uh, they filmed a lot of them in Monument Valley. Oh in, yeah. Uh, Utah is that Utah or what? Yeah, I think Utah, it's Utah, Montana. <clears throat> I want to say Utah. But um, yeah, hang on, it's a, a very classic. Uh, you know, you would recognize Arizona. Okay, Monument Arizona. Valley. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Oh well, there's also Monument Valley. It sprawls. It's in Utah. It's in Arizona. Okay. I guess it depends on what type of rocks you're after. And they were, you know, all the fil- all all the cowboy movies were filmed there. Yeah, uh, Eastwood did the uh, the Italian uh, uh, locations yeah. um, for his a lot of his westerns. But you know, <clears throat> interesting. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's. Uh, there's uh there's tropes listed. It's like California doubling. Like you get so many movies set in like uh uh rural Kansas or whatever that are filmed in just like a couple miles drive outside of Los Angeles yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. You, you're just trying desperately to find landscapes that look. There's a trope called like the mountain range of Chicago. It's like <laughs> you're in Chicago, but why are there mountains in the yeah. distance? What's yeah. going on there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Interesting. If you've ever driven through, like, the one time I was, the only time I've ever actually been in the, in Indiana was driving through it at like four o'clock in the morning with a bunch of improv nerds. And it was the most surreal experience because it's so perfectly flat. It's so perfectly dark. You can see city lights from miles yes. away. It's weird. Yes. So, yeah, we're not used to that. Yeah. You know, uh, it's bananas. Yeah. Um, 
Oh my god, just like the, the Cary Grant's suit that he is wearing. Oh yeah, we yeah, were yeah, having suit. so much fun tracking he, the wear and tear yeah. on that outfit. He wears one suit through the whole the whole movie. He finally gets like a new shirt and pants like 20 minutes before the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And the most that is ever done to maintain this suit is sponging and pressing. Yes, could you have this sponged and pressed? And it, it's going to take about 20 minutes to have a sponge yeah, depressed. And it, because like, he's, he's in the dirt. He's rolling around. He's 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 hiding in in, in ditches and stuff oh in his God. suit. And then, of course, after it's sponged and pressed, it, he looks pristine. impeccable again. His oh hair God. is impeccable. His tie, his shirt. Um, and then he finally gets new new trousers and uh, uh, <laughs> shoes. Sh- shoes. I'm and pretty a sure, shirt. like the last act of the movie, like the entire fight sequence and climb on Mount Rushmore, he's just wearing like loafers. <laughs> yeah, climbing on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and then <clears throat> oh, I was, Mount Rushmore, wowzers. Yeah, I was, I was asking you about if this is a, a, from a book or something or. Um, uh, looks like they started off trying to adapt a book to be a Hitchcock movie, and then they couldn't figure out how to do it, so. The, um, let's see, uh, Ernest Lerman, the writer, uh, he decided to make the, quote, ultimate Hitchcock film. Um, and Hitchcock said, I've always wanted to do a chase across, across Mount Rushmore. So they literally spitballed, like, a couple of other ideas, locations, and sequences, and then they just worked them backwards into a plot. What, so why Mount Rushmore? I wonder. I think it's just like I mean, you can't like that final chase sequence where they're like trying to climb down the face. They're of climbing down the nose and the cheek and it's the face and the eye of Mount Rushmore. Crazy ass <clears throat> imagery. I wonder how they did that. First of all, because I can't picture them actually being on Mount. Rushmore. I don't think they filmed on Mount. On, yeah, but but the whole thing is why Mount Rushmore? I'm thinking you, you're doing a. A movie in New York about spy versus spy kind of stuff, and all of a sudden you're in Mount Rushmore. Like, what, did they just pick that out of a hat or something? I, you it know, it really does sound like it was uh, yeah. picked out of a hat. Like, okay, was it like new at the time? Mount Rush. Um, uh, it Ma- was completed in 1941, so it's quite possible that even in like the 18 years between that and this movie being made. No movie had really taken advantage of that scenery. Okay. It's possible. I'm, yeah, it's I'm possible. just pulling it was, off a of Wikipedia. It might be like yeah. real, was. Re, I think it was more uh, recognized and important than. I mean, nowadays, if you say, "Oh yeah, I want to travel to the United States," I don't think Mount Rushmore comes up as one of your first thoughts. Well, it's also to been see. it's also been soured because it's like it's literally just a couple of faces carved into a mountain, so it might not be that majestic to look at. And then, two, it's also been really soured because we now are more knowing of, like, this was stolen native land. We yeah. are literally carving the faces of these white colonizers into what was literally a holy mountain. Yes, into an important uh, feature for uh, our, our Native American yeah. friends. Yeah, and, and so we put the white founding fathers. It's just like... Old white men. We did find it amusing that in certain shots, it really looked like Teddy Roosevelt was looking at us disapprovingly yeah. <laughs> over the, the crest. Um, they're cl- climbing down, 
uh, almost falling. Some people did fall, mm-hmm. got shot and fell and stuff. But oh, Martin I, Landau is yes. like the chief henchman in this yes. movie, and he's got a great death. Yes, he just topples very yeah, slowly. Yeah, oh, he, that's great. Yeah, he he did well, but uh, I just can't. And the guy, the this bad spy guy, has his house on top of the mountain. Well, like of Mount behind- Rushmore. Yeah, it like, like, like you you go out his driveway and then you can look over the foreheads of the presidents. Yeah, uh, virtually. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> You're standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, it's like yeah. what? What? I, I I can't believe that that's real. But there may well, be- the house I don't think was real. Yeah, not a real structure um, designed purely for this movie. Uh, exterior shots were done using matte paintings. Oh, I love matte paintings in movies where you like have a, um, they do this all throughout the original Star Wars. They do it very rarely these days, but I always love it in these old movies where you have a pane of glass and you paint a perfect, um, point of view shot of this scenery like you can't really move the camera at all so it's locked into place and then you fit your actual moving image into the negative space left by the painting so it does look like this house and this movement is happening right on top of mount rushmore yeah almost there's a bunch of shots in the original star wars where like obi-wan kenobi is looking over the chasm in the death star to really give you that sense of depth and stuff like I love matte paintings in movies like this. It's well, they just yeah, beautiful. Um, and I guess in a, in a movie, a, a a bad spy can have his house on top of uh, Mount Rushmore. You I know, mean, why not? Why not? It's you it's know. an undeniable <clears throat> location. It's it, it yeah. looks cinematic as all hell. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh. God, is there anything else we wanted to talk about with this movie? It, it just just the cat and mouse stuff mm-hmm. oh, the the henchmen from the from the the evil spy yeah they just kept getting thwarted by oh, Cary man. Grant i mean yeah. he would escape he would escape he would escape right and and they just just over and over they were duped you know it was oh, yeah. just so funny you know watching <laughs> this poor dopes it is really funny like um uh, uh Cary Grant's character Thornhill he, like, has no idea what's going on, but he is able to think his way out of most situations, yeah. which is pretty cool to watch. Like, this guy is absolutely in over his head, but he's clever enough to at least survive. Yeah, yeah. With a pristine suit. <laughs> yes, with his suit. And and uh, speak, uh, just mention that the henchmen, um, I thought it was cool that they had, like, regular guys that, um, that you could meet on the street mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, if you watch a spy movie now, well, the henchmen are going to be like some big, muscled, tattooed, oh, yeah. grisly, mean-looking oh, yeah. guys. When, in fact, you know, these guys were, you know, they yeah. were tough well, guys. Like they, were, in, they were thugs. In but- the James Bond movies, you have the want of like a really imposing henchman uh, before you fight the big boss. Yes. Um, and then in the Marvel movies, there are so many, like anonymous minions that are getting destroyed yeah. you kind of want something a little bit more 
instantly recognizable, yeah. like a dude with a robot arm or glowing yeah. eyes little, or something like that. A little more of an alpha kind of guy. And, and <clears throat> this is literally just a classic spy movie where it's yeah. like, you need people to be able to blend in. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, you nobody know, these... has glowing eyes or, like, crazy right. thumbnails. Yeah, or, or they're whatever. not, like, uh, six foot nine or something, you know. Oh, with... my God, with steel teeth. Yeah, with steel, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jaws steel from teeth. James Bond, yeah. Uh, odd Job and James Bond. Oh, my you know, God, with, Odd with Job. With the hat. I love Odd Job. Um... <laughs> yeah, which, who is obviously a henchman. Oh, yeah. Or even if you see him, yeah, even if you see him, you know, at the 7-Eleven. Oh, yeah, that's a henchman. Yeah, yeah I can tell. This, 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 like, pretty tall, broad, like, wrestler-looking Asian dude with, uh, what does he wear, a bowler or is it a top hat? It's with this very distinctive outfit. Yes. Then he uses the hat as a weapon. I'm like, okay, all right. And who, you, yeah, who is the guy like. with the teeth? That's Jaws. His name is literally okay. Jaws. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He shows up in, I want to say, two Bond movies. Okay. And his gimmick is that he is a giant man. Yes. With steel teeth. He is obviously a henchman. But these guys, you know, they had regular guys. They were, yeah. you know, brawny and, and stuff. And, well, like, even... But uh, not... not it, uh, they could blend in. Yeah. And even Martin Landau, who has a very distinctive face shape, yeah. he still just looks like... A dude. He could, he could blend in, yeah. Yeah, like you'd see him standing behind you at a Sam's Club or something like yeah. that. Maybe not looking like that, but... How, how old do you think they, uh, Cary Grant was his uh, Thorn, Thornhill? Thorn? Uh, let's find how out. How old was... So... Not how old was Cary Grant, but how old do you think the actor was supposed to have been? Because the... The girl was... Oh, boy, yeah. The girl okay, mentioned so... she's 26. She's 26, yeah. It's so... In, it's important to get... To find out the age of the girl, but they, of course, never mention the age of the man because that's that's not necessary. Well, now that's interesting. You mentioned that. Okay, so just real quick, um, Cary Grant was born in 1904, and Eva Marie Saint was born in 1924. So she is a full 20 years younger than Cary Grant. And this movie was, of course, made in 1959. So Eva Marie Saint's actually playing a little younger than she actually is, which is different for movies of this time and even of today i'd say once a, a woman turns like 35 she kind of stops acting which is super irritating because yeah. roles for women over 35 just disappear all of a sudden you're a mom to a teenager yeah exactly or a matron or something something like that yeah. yeah but what's really interesting i just recently rewatched and uh showed a friend of mine um casablanca and yes. uh it's established in that movie that um What's her name? Ilsa is like 14, 15 years younger than uh, Humphrey Bogart's character. Yes. Okay. And it's established within the movie that Humphrey Bogart is actually 37. Right. So it's, and they make a mention of how like 10 years before the events of the movie, um, Ilsa was getting braces put on. So she's only <laughs> like 24 at most. Yeah. yeah. In her low 20s. And so in this movie, Cary Grant was 20 years older and 20... Actually, he was like mid-50s in reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, but that's okay. They have the younger woman and the older man. Um, and that was, you know, nobody batted an eye. And, and the man's the man's age is not n necessary to know. But yeah, But of course, exactly. we, have to, we have to we have label to the woman as the, a the, young, the, yeah. young uh, uh, attractive young, because who's going to want the a mature... The viability yeah, of who, the Who's going to want a mature, yeah. middle-aged woman? Yeah, gross. 
Uh, uh, pardon me, uh, all you ladies out there. It, it uh, wasn't until uh, I'm not included in that group. It wasn't until what uh, Spectre, the Bond movie we saw a couple of months back, that there was a quote Bond girl that was actually older than Bond himself. Yes. Like, what's her face was like fifty. At the time of filming, whereas uh, um, uh, uh, Daniel Craig was like still 45, yes. 7, something like that. Mid to late 40s, I want to say. Yes. But yeah, it's just super irritating. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's culture. You know, it's, yeah, it's no, the I cult- know. cultural norms. Um, and hopefully uh, we can get away. But, the, you know, the, those kind of norms perpetuated the whole thing. Well, oh, yeah. Of course... Of course, he's going to have a younger, a, a young, attractive woman. Of, of course, you know. yeah. And if she has to be in her 20s, she can't be younger than that because that would be too risque. And she can't be older than that because then then she's just an old maid. Yeah. There's a, there's a trope, uh, and I think it was named for Japan, called a Christmas cake. Have you ever heard of a Christmas cake? No. I'm going to try and remember this off the top of my head. But basically, it's tradition in Japan, I want to say, to give, like, cakes for Christmas. Oh, nice. And, you know, you call them Christmas cakes. But as soon as it's after Christmas, all of a sudden, a Christmas cake loses a lot of interest. And even (laughs) though it's not really, like, stale, because it's only been, it's only the 26th. It's not really, it hasn't had time to get stale. You're just like, oh, but that's all the way back from Christmas. Christmas. Now I'm on to not Christmas. Yeah, let's move on to the January cake. Yeah, so even like, as soon as, like, it's that magic thing, like I said, where it's like, as soon as a woman turns 30, 35, all of a sudden she's past her prime. Yes. And I'm like, I'm watching, uh, uh, I follow Christina Ricci, she's 41, and now we're in the middle of, like, this Christina Ricci renaissance, where uh, her new TV show is getting these rave reviews, and it follows, like, women in their late 30s, early 40s, and uh, great, let's do more of that. That's something that film and TV hasn't really explored all that much. Uh, you, you can have <clears throat> really important women figures, um, but they're... They were few They're, and far between. Yeah, you know, like uh, like let's take uh, uh, Judy Dench. Oh, you know, Judy a, Dench. a powerful figure, but she was wasn't in uh, a romantic uh, scenario. Yeah, she was uh, uh, like the big boss. Yeah, she's been in like elder statesman mode yes. for the past like yes. thirty years. I want yes. to say so. Yes, yeah. but she certainly uh, you know. So imagine Cary Grant falling for judy dench you know when as as judy dench is like 65 or 70 yeah that's a great question judy dench age because we know need to know that oh now i'm just curious wow she's 87 she looks amazing for 87 uh and she's still kicking that's great um All right. Uh, I think that's about it as far as North by Northwest. Anything else you wanted to mention? Hitchcock, fabulous. Oh, oh uh, let's mention the Hitchcock cameo in, in all of his movies. <laughs> he does a little cameo at the beginning of the movie. A bunch of people are getting a busy street in, in, in New York, yep. and a bus pulls up. A bunch of people get on. The bus driver slams the door closed, and Hitchcock runs up 
and gets the door slammed and, and doesn't gets, get on the yeah. bus. And it's like right at the tail end of the credits, immediately as the screen says, yep. directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Yep. And from what I understand from that is like he knew that people were going to be looking for his cameo. So he thought, let's get it out of the way up front. It was very, very early on. Oh, yeah. yeah so, so people aren't on. like waiting and watching yeah. for it. It's like yeah. uh, M. Night Shyamalan. You're always waiting for the twist yeah. to happen. Yeah. Get it out of the way up but, front. Uh, just, just uh, now he's. He had a TV show too, Alfred um, Hitchcock presents. Yeah. Yes, um, and that was always that was, gosh, I guess <laughs> late fifties, early sixties or something. That was fun to watch. Yeah, as a little kid, I think I remember watching some of it. But but you would have been like uh, six when this movie came out. So. Right, I didn't yeah. watch the movie, but I must have been the sixties when his his show was out. But uh, I mean, well, he must have been like a known name. Oh like, yeah. 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 Hitchcock was a uh, very popular and oh, yeah. of course I didn't under- necessarily understand the movies, but it was suspenseful and my parents would be watching it. So right, I would yeah. watch along. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, I think that's about everything. What S- did you want to watch? Stay tuned for more Hitchcock. <laughs> do you want to do another Hitchcock? Um, I, I, I've I never would... seen Vertigo. I've never seen the birds. I've never seen Psycho. Um, Wow, I don't know which one. Yeah. Gosh. You want me to pull up a list of yeah. Hitchcock films? Yeah. I don't know which one because uh, uh, Rear Window, I think, is one. Oh, I'd be down for Rear James Window. James Stewart. I'd be down for Rear Window. Um, let's see. Psycho, Vertigo, The Birds, Rear Window, North by Northwest, um, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Strangers on a Train, Dial M for Murder. Ooh, that sounds good. Uh, to Catch a Thief. God, this guy's done a lot of stuff. Um, I've also never seen, and I know we're kind of soured on Orson Welles, I've also never seen, uh, um, oh, what's it called? Touch of Evil. Let me see if I can pitch you on that real fast. Touch Is that a, of a, Evil. That's an Orson Welles? Let me pull up the synopsis real fast. Uh, uh, real fast. Um... What is Touch of Evil about? When a car bomb explodes on the American side of the U.S.-Mexico border, Mexican drug enforcement agent Miguel Vargas... Oh, no. Mexican drug enforcement agent Miguel Vargas, played by Charlton Heston... (laughs) Oh, boy. Begins his investigation along with American police force captain Hank Quinlan, Orson Welles. Um, when Vargas begins to suspect that Quinlan and his shady partner are planning, uh, planting evidence to frame an innocent man, his investigations into the possible corruption quickly put himself on his new bride into jeopardy. That might be fun. That's interesting. That's interesting. All right. But, oh my God, of course, we're, of course it's Charlton Heston playing a Mexican man. Yeah. Yeah. Because he looks Latino. Sure. Like, I mean, the film is in black and white. When, when did that come out? Uh, I just closed the tab. Touch of 1958, the year okay. before this. Okay. So, oh boy. I mean, would you be interested in that? Do you want to yeah, give that a shot? Let's try it. All right. Next week, let's do Orson Welles' Touch of Evil. Uh, super excited to see that. In the meantime, I am HD Lickner uh, on the Twitter, Muscle Nerd Studios on Instagram. Um, thank you to Dr. Sean Monahan for a theme song. Paul Taylor at WopsySquare.com for our artwork. I'm not sure when the episode is dropping, but this weekend I will be recording an episode for the Patreon feed of the Disenfranchised podcast, in which we'll be talking about the Matrix Revolutions, so uh, keep an eye out for that. Mm. Super excited. Wouldn't it be an ear? You'd be keeping an ear out? Yeah, I mean, that's well, I mean, you'd be looking for it in your feed first. 
podcasts. See, you don't, you don't really know podcasts. I do podcasts. Yeah. All right. No, that's one of those new things, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's yes. Yeah. New is in 15 years old. Okay. Um, uh, and, uh, dad, take us away. It's almost Christmas. Uh, for all you Christian folks, uh, we've had Hanukkah for all you Jewish folks, uh, and there are other holidays in there, uh, Diwali was earlier in the month, I think, or late, no, last month or something. So wonderful holiday time. Please be nice to each other. Um, I don't think the holidays are the happiest time of the year. I think uh, they put too much pressure and stress on people and they mostly suck. Um, But be nice to each other uh, and um, try to do what's right. It's always best to do what's right, even though it doesn't, even though it's not easy. Mm. And on that note, we hope we get some snow soon. And Bye. party on, dudes. Party on, dudes, yes. Yeah.